0: I think I told you that it was weird, lonely, and a romantic place. Totally your vibe, and you should check it out. And don't miss the tombs underneath.
1: I remember being a little offended when Marie said that, but then maybe she's right. My vibe is a little weird, lonely, and romantic, and I do enjoy a good tomb. But you didn't say anything else about it, like about the history or your connection or, you know, anything else? I suppose not. I just did not know it was,
0: you know, that day. I I didn't really believe it myself. You know, it's an old legend.
2: From folk process, we are keeping the bones podcast that reimagines and remixes classic weird tales and horror fiction into stories set today. I am your host, Jesse Keller. Before we begin, I'd just like to ask that if you are enjoying this podcast, please do follow or subscribe wherever you're listening, and help us get the word out by sharing however you can. Okay, on with the show, our inspiration for today's episode— is Careful by Edith Wharton. Abby Watt is a writer, podcast producer, and friend of the show. I'll let her take it from here.
1: I was visiting my friend, Marie Rivant in France. I had just lost my job and ended a relationship that had gotten pretty toxic. I needed to decompress... And crashing on Marie's couch in her Paris apartment for a few weeks seemed like just the thing. The day before I was set to fly home, Marie needed to head out to Brittany in the west of France for an important business meeting. You had to go out there on your business trip.
0: Yes, I had to go to Quimper out in Bretagne.
1: And you suggested...
0: I suggested you spend the day checking out Kerfol, look at the tombs, and I would
1: pick you up on the way back. So that's exactly what I did. We took the TGV bullet train, zipping at 180 miles an hour across northern France from Paris to Brittany, then connected to a little local that rambled through the lush Breton countryside. We saw more sheep and cows than people in the fields and villages we passed. Following Marie's advice, I got off in a little town a few stops before Quimper, and Marie continued on. You gave me directions to careful. I think you said, don't ask the locals.
0: Yeah, the country people out there have a very strong accent. Some very old people even speak Breton as their first language, I mean. And your French, Abby, you know, is not so good. Oui.
1: You can get lost very easily. You said, down the main street from the train station, turn onto a little dirt road, and then a littler dirt road, and then walk for like an hour past the farms, and then...
0: Then you are down at l'avenue.
1: The avenue. It was a long, straight road lined on either side by huge gray trees of a kind... I didn't recognize their leafless branches intertwining over the path, making a sort of tunnel half a mile long. It was clear this avenue led to something important, or something that used to be. The tunnel of trees ended, and I found myself at a gate, an archway in a thick stone wall behind which I could see grey-tiled roofs, the keep and chapel of Careful. Between me and the gate was a large green space, then a dry moat overgrown with thorny shrubs. A little stone bridge crossed the moat to the gate. Do you remember uh, what you told me about the castle before you dropped me off?
0: Mm, Not really. Uh, Not much.
1: Basically nothing. I, I said it was old,
0: weird. You should look at the tombs. And you should talk to the caretaker.
1: Yes. To have a look around. So I sat down on a mossy boulder in front of the gate and waited. I figured if I waited long enough, the caretaker would look out and notice me and come show me the tombs. Marie wasn't wrong. Careful really was my vibe. I thought of the medieval tombs beneath it, and suddenly the whole place felt like a tomb. I had a sense that Carefall itself had been a powerful being, and I could feel its presence. Was it really dead there in its tomb, or just in a deep sleep? I sat there for a long time. I suppose I could have called out for the caretaker, but... The idea of disturbing careful felt wrong... Disrespectful. Dangerous, even. Eventually, I got up, carefully crossed the little bridge to the archway, where there was an iron gate, modern construction, and unlocked. I pushed it open, walked down the short, musty tunnel that went underneath the castle wall, and found the far end blocked by a waist high barrier. Across the open courtyard, I could see the ruined keep, and beside that, the chapel, with its crumbling belfry. Still, no sign of a caretaker, but my curiosity was stronger than the heavy, tomb-like silence. So, I slid the barrier aside and found my way blocked again by the cutest little dog I'd ever seen. It looked like a tiny Pekingese with long, fluffy, golden-brown hair and big brown eyes staring up at me. Now, I was sure the silence would be broken. A dog like this seeing a stranger? Any second now, she would start yipping like crazy. Any second. But she didn't make a sound. The little dog just stood there, staring up at me. A look that wasn't quite yet a snarl, but seemed on the verge of one. An angry look. I took a step forward and she trotted back. Every time I moved, so did she, maintaining the distance between us. Then I noticed the second dog, a splotchy brown mutt walking with a limp. Then a third, shaggy white with one brown eye and one blue, coming out of a ruined doorway in the keep. I wasn't worried. They were all small, and despite the tiny Pekingese's mean look, they didn't seem particularly aggressive. They let me wander around the courtyard, but they did follow me wherever I went, always watching and just out of reach. As I explored the ruins with my furry little entourage, the Pekingese, the limping brown dog, and the white one with mismatched eyes, I saw yet another dog looking out from the remains of a second-story window. It was bigger, a white pointer with one brown ear. Like the others, its eyes stayed locked on me wherever I went. This had to be the guard dog. He'd start barking and set the rest off, and then finally, this powerful silence would be broken. The caretaker would finally come out. But... No, they all followed and watched in silence. And a fifth joined the pack, a little shivering greyhound. They didn't make a sound except for the clicking of claws on cobblestones. I'm not going to lie, they were creeping me out a little. So, I decided to make the first move. I leaned down and stretched my hand out to the little floofball Pekingese. She trotted back again just out of my reach. I went to the caretaker's cottage and knocked. No answer, and the shutters were drawn. I tried to ignore the silent circle of watchers and give myself a tour. I found the staircase leading down beneath the chapel to the tombs, but somehow, with ten unblinking little eyes trained on me, watching every step I took, it all felt a little too weird, and too lonely in a way that was definitely not romantic. When I joined Marie on the train again, heading back for Paris, I found that a colleague had joined her for the return trip. When she asked about Careful, I mumbled something about it being fine. And the next morning I flew back to San Diego. It wasn't until a few days after I got back that Marie texted me saying, What a great visit! Sorry I had to miss the last day!" I texted, It's okay, I had the dogs for company, smiley face emoji. She responded with, OMG, did you really see DOGS? All caps, multiple exclamation points. Then, Don't mess with me, where did you hear about the dogs? Since dogs were not a new concept to me, I found this reaction a bit strange, to say the least it sounded like there might be more to the story. So I set up a video call with Marie and started recording. So what's up with the dogs? Did I happen to meet some local celebrities? Cause like, I know up in Idlewild, they have Max and he's great. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, it's just that I've never
0: seen them. I'm very surprised that you said you did because there are no dogs there. At careful
1: okay um but i mean have you been there yes i've been there many times i mean recently
0: because very recently but see i have not been there that day what day abby you really saw a bunch of dogs
1: yeah like a whole
0: pack of dogs wow 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 why wow i grew up very close to there my parents lived in a small village close by until very recently. I have been many times to the Château de Kerfol, and there are no dogs living there.
1: Well, there were when I went. Well, maybe not. I never really believed
0: you. You aren't messing with me, right? You really saw a bunch of dogs?
1: Uh, yeah, I saw five dogs. I, I, saw, I saw a Pekingese <gasps> and a Greyhound.
0: Oh, merde! Pekinese Le Pekinois no that is like the little Chinese dog Wow 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 I always thought and the caretaker always takes the day of they say on that day Marie What day The day of the dogs The ghosts The dogs are the ghosts of careful ghosts. Oui, uh, attends un moment. Uh, Wait uh, wait one moment. Here, I have something to show you.
1: Marie went into another room and came back with a very old, worn book. She opened it, flipped through, and then began to read it to me, translating as she went. Okay.
0: Okay, here is the book. It's called Histoire des Assises du Duché de Bretagne. Quimper, 1702. The history of legal trials from the region of Brittany from 1702. Pretty much directly from old court transcript, I think. My family kept this book for many years because there is mention of an ancestor of ours, uh, a Though maybe not a very favorable one. Okay. The Trial of Anne de Corneau and Hervé de Lenrivin 1689. Anne was the wife of the Lord of Kerfol. We will get to Monsieur Lenrivan in just a moment. The book starts by describing Baron Yves de Corneau, Seigneur de Kerfol, a soldier, a wealthy man. It says. He was much respected in Bretagne, an excellent hunter and was a man of grande pieté. He fought bravely against the Spanish and made a great fortune in Africa and the East. Well, you know what that means, huh? Mm. A French soldier makes a fortune in Africa at this time. No, not by good means. Bon. So, Yves de Corneau had a wife and son when he was young but they both died and so he was not overseas or at war, he lived alone at Carrefour. Sometimes he would go to Quimper or Morlaix for business a week or two. This is very interesting. Some witnesses at the trial of Anne say he lived a different life when he was away from careful. What does that mean? I'm not so sure. I assume he wasn't living a double life as a monk or anything, but the book says this is actually not relevant since everyone on his estate, even the peasant girls and their fathers, thought he was a good man. Okay. They say he never so much looked at a woman after his wife died until, apparently, when he was 62 at a church in Locronan he saw Anne de Barrigan a noble woman. Yes, but her father had lost the family fortune through gambling, and the Barrigan family was living like peasants, it says. She was 20 years old and very beautiful. Are you still following? Mm-hmm. Okay. Eve rode the next day to careful and told his servants he was going to be married. Had he spoken to mademoiselle anne yet? actually i don't know it, it doesn't say but they were married the witnesses at the trial say they seemed quite happy and that because of anne he've treated his peasants less harshly well okay great good for him <laughs> yeah the witnesses some of the servants they say she never complained and seemed perfectly happy and careful but here One servant, her maid, says Kerfol was very quiet and lonely.
1: Yeah, that pretty much has not changed in 300 years.
0: (laughs) And Eve, it says, was gone frequently on business.
1: I suppose living his different life, whatever
0: that meant, and doing the business that made him so rich in Africa, you know. Well, the maid says Anne was never allowed to go with him, even just to Morlaix or Quimper. And while he was gone, she was not allowed even to leave the chateau to walk in the park. And one time, the maid found Anne crying alone in the garden. Madame said she was cursed to have no child and nothing in life of her own. Oh, that's so lonely. Poor girl. Yeah. Well, when they question Anne at the trial, she admits that her husband did not blame her for not having a child. Well. He was going away, huh, you know? Yeah, I mean, how nice so. of him. And though he was parsimonious, I think it's kind of the same in English, parsimonious, mm-hmm. something parsimonious, I don't know where you put the emphasis, but you get it, right?
1: Yeah, like in, stingy? Yeah, or more like careful. Uh, fiscally responsible.
0: Exactly, to be nice. Or maybe it was just cheap, mm. who knows. He bought for Anne anything she wanted and brought her many gifts from his travels. There is a long list, jewels, clothing, and her favorite, a string of jewels like a necklace or maybe bracelet I guess, rubies, pearls, emeralds. This was put into evidence in the trial and the judges were very amazed by its beauty and value. Then, after a particularly long voyage, when he returned, his gift for her was, listen, listen to that, Abby, a small golden brown dog.
1: Okay, so... Okay, listen,
0: listen. He had bought the dog from a sailor who had stolen it from a Chinese merchant, a small Chinese dog like the...
1: The Pekingese. Yes, the
0: Pekingese. Exactly. It was very expensive, it says, because it was so rare, there were no other dogs like it in France. Anne loved the dog so much, she said it had les yeux d'un chrétien the eyes of a Christian. She treated it like a child. The people of Careful said she finally seemed happy, and when her husband went on his frequent trips, she spent the time with her little dog baby. It went with her everywhere, and though Eve thought it was silly, she put her beautiful necklace around its neck like a collar.
1: So... Okay, so this is all in, you said, a a trial transcript?
0: Yeah. Well, okay, I should probably say this is a murder trial for the murder of Yves de Corneau. Oh, okay then. Yes, Anne claimed to know nothing of how he was killed. She was asleep and woke up to hear his screaming and then found him dead. But on the third day, they told her a man had been arrested too, named Hervé
1: de L'Enrivent. Your ancestor.
0: Yes great 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 not so great I guess etc grand uncle or something he says he knows nothing but some village people says he was on good terms with the lady Anne and one person says he saw monsieur de L'enrivan, my great 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 uncle climbing the castle wall the night of the murder the day after someone tells of monsieur de L'enrivan climbing the wall when the trial begins again the judges pressed the Lady Anne strongly to talk huh pressed strongly in 1689 that cannot be good Mm. Yeah. after this she came to the court and she appeared weak and wandering and then finally she spoke this is quoting from the testimony of Anne de Corneau she says on the night of the murder I had planned to go away with Hervé de Lanrivain away from careful the judges ask why She says, I was afraid of my husband. They say, why again? She says, because he strangled my little dog. Oh, the judges say to Anne, this is a small thing a nobleman can do as he wishes with his property.
1: Oh, yes, Uh of course, that's fine. Anne goes on. She says,
0: Once, while my husband was away, I was allowed to go with my very old aunt to visit the church of saint barbe and it was there I met Hervé de L'enrivan. We walked for a short time as a cortege was passing by. He said to me, I pity you, which surprised me. And then he said, if you please call for me when you need me. Anne confessed she had seen him three more times after this she would not say where. It says, Our meetings were always very short. At the last, he said, he was going away on a voyage that would be dangerous. He asked me for a souvenir to remember me by, and all I had was the necklace of my little dog. So, (laughs) I gave it to him and he went away. I soon wished I had not given it. Her husband was away, and when he came back a few days later, she admits to the judges she lied and said the dog had lost the collar in the bushes somewhere. Hmm. The servants searched everywhere and, of course, could not find it. My husband that day gave to me many times a regard étrange et sérieux. Hmm. Kind of a a suspicious look, kind of like a guilty one. (sighs) She she said, that night I went to my bed and found on the pillow my little dog. She was dead, but still warm.
1: Oh, man. She had
0: been strangled to death with the jewel necklace twisted two times around her neck?
1: That's not okay.
0: She said, I hid the bracelet, and neither I nor my husband said any more. At that time or ever again. But the next day, my husband was quick to anger. He had a peasant hung for stealing firewood. Cake! Okay. And he. Oh, la oh, la. Oh, okay, be ready. And he almost beat to death a horse that he was. <laughs> Breaking a horse. Again, the judges say, a man harming or destroying his own property is no cause to murder him.
1: Oh, okay, you know, the past... Sure, people are property. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's great. And again, Anne says she did
0: not kill him. But she said, But I did worry then that he had hurt Monsieur de L'enrivan. Sometimes, my lord would look across the table and would smile at me in a strange way. That made me very sure Monsieur Hervé de Lorivin was dead. A few months later, there were some guests at Carefall, and they had with them another dog, white, with different colored eyes. Um... Have you seen it? Yeah... (gasps) The, the people seemed to not treat the dog so well. And while they stayed, the dog was always with Anne. So much that when they left, they gave it to her as a gift. Oh. Yeah. If the Corneau returned to Careful that night and did not say a thing. She said, "But when I went to my bedroom, I saw the little white dog on my pillow strangled to death." Oh. Oh, she says. Then, I swore then I would never again keep a dog and decided to accept being forever alone. But you can see where this is going, right, Abby?
1: She got cats, lots of cats. No, no, they
0: were, they were other dogs. Uh huh. A little shivering greyhound, stray dog that showed up. She hid him, brought him scraps of food, told nobody about him. But one day, uh-huh. there he was, on her pillow. There was a brown dog with a broken leg. She tried to give it away, but it came back and then, always the same, over the course of one year.
1: Holy f- Fuck. Imagine yeah. living like that for a year. Oh, this is torture. Oh, God. I mean, no, exactly. Awful. Like what, what, what was wrong with him?
0: Well, did you know that at Careful there is a tomb of a woman with a dog at her feet? I think I, think I read that's because dogs were an emblem of uh, fidelity.
1: So he killed the dogs and almost killed a horse, and two fucking people, because he... Because he could, yes. Of of course he did. (sighs) Anyway,
0: after one year, she received a message from Hervé de L'enrivan He was alive. Oh. Yeah, I didn't think that. And had returned and would visit her. And she decided she would ask him to take her away. And said, my heart was in pain, and I was so lonely, I could not bear it. Sometimes, I would stop to pet the chien d'arrêt at the castle gate when nobody was looking. One day, my husband came from the chapelle and saw me, and the next day, the dog was gone. So, that's five dogs. Yeah, I'm not counting, I'm about to throw up. Okay, the judges are impatient and interrupt. So, you say the seigneur de careful did not like dogs and your defense is that you murdered Yves de Corneau because he would not permit you to keep a pet dog? Sounds reasonable to me. I swear on the virgin, my did not murder my husband. Then Hervé de Lanrevin did the murder for you, they said. "No, Monseigneur." Then who killed Yves de Corneau? The dogs. The judges were very much amazed by this, but they let her continue. On the night Monsieur de lenrivin was to arrive, I listened a long time at my husband's door until I was sure he was asleep. Finally, I went down the stairs and looked out the, the small window in the door and I saw Hervé coming toward me. I opened the bolt but it made a squeak. I stopped and listened, then I heard the door up the stairs open. And my husband called my name and cursed me. The judges say, and then what did you do, Madame Anne? I did nothing, but I heard a terrible scream and a fall. And where was Monsieur Delonrivain? Outside in the courtyard. I begged him to leave. And he did. And then? And then I listened. What did you hear? The growls and snarls of dogs for several minutes. And then the noise of of a pack of dogs when a wolf is thrown to them. Le bruit d'avalant, le déchirement. The noise, I mean, the the rupture, the... And twice, my lord cried out and once he moaned. Finally, I went up the stairs to drive away the dogs. When I arrived, My husband was dead, and the dogs were gone. The judges ask, where had they gone? She replies, I do not know. There was no way out, and there were no dogs at careful. If the colonel had been found at the top of the stairs, his head hanging down avec quantité abondante de sang, gushing of blood, Dripping down the stairs, his face, neck, and body torn in many places, a very deep tear in the flesh of his leg, which had cut an artery, um, how do you call that? An artery, and probably was the cause of his bleeding to death. Oh darn! Whew. The court then discusses how the wounds are very like those caused by dogs. Some people speak of witchcraft, and the colonel just says, "And, messeigneur, I could recognize the barking. They were the barkings of my dogs, oh. my poor, dead dogs." The court deliberates. Deliberation, and they decide this is not a matter for legal court, but rather for the church. And the church had not much interest, so oh. Anne was given to the family of her dead husband, and they brought her back to Careful. That's it. End of the story. That's it. Well, that's it in the Histoire des Assises.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, do you know what, uh, happened to them, to Anne and, uh, what, what's his name, your ancestor?
0: Yes, well, I have heard that they never saw each other again. Even after all that? Herve de Lorivin supposedly left that night and never returned too careful. I think Anne was kept there and poor girl went crazy. Uh, she lived a long time, a crazy old aunt in the chateau. Hervé went on to become a rich man with property in Saint-Domingue. Oh, lucky him. He was very much like at the court of Louis XIV, they say.
1: Oh. oh. Well, at, at least the dogs stuck up for poor Anne. Uh, oof. That is a lot to... Um, Unpack. Wow. Um, I guess I never realized your family was nobility.
0: That all changed in 1789. But it was crazy. I never believed the story of the dogs. And you saw them.
1: You never heard this, huh?
0: And you really saw them?
1: That was years ago now. Marie and I still keep in touch, but we don't talk about the dogs and we don't talk about careful. I never told her, though I guess she'll know now, hi Marie, that every year on that day, I dream of them. I dream that I wake in the night and see 10 grave eyes watching from the dark. I dream that I feel something weighing down the blankets at my feet. And my dream doesn't end when I turn on the light.
2: Thanks for listening to Keeping the Bones. If you liked today's episode and you want to help us make some more, the best way you can do that is to head over to patreon.com slash keeping the bones and kick in anything you can. Of course, please also follow and subscribe to our show wherever it is that you're listening. Good ratings and reviews are a big help too in spreading the word and so is following and sharing on all the usual social media places. Links to everything are in the show notes and on our website, keepingthebones.com. The episode you heard today was inspired by Edith Wharton's short story, Careful. It was adapted and produced by me, Jesse Keller, and by Abby Watt. In addition to us, today you also heard the voice of Caroline Amigay. All our music is by Son of Lone Cat. And our original show art for this episode is by Shay. If you haven't seen it, or if you haven't seen it since you've heard this whole episode, please do go and check it out. It's such a cool design. You can find links to some great merch with that piece and to more of Shay's fantastic work in the show notes and at keepingthebones.com. We'll be back soon with another story.